The Simon Shore Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Boxscore Network. Follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Oh, hi, and welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I'm Simon Short. It is the end of week nine. It is the eve of week 10 in the NFL season. So we're at that like it's it's now 62 percent of the way through the season. There's no more clear cut halfway through the season. So it's time to hand out some midseason awards to help me do that. This week is my co-host on the Stat Sheet podcast, Ronan Summers. Ronan, welcome back in, man. How's it going? Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. It's always a blast every time I hop on the Simon Short podcast, and I expect no different this time around. Um, It's been a very fun season kind of everywhere. So, I mean, sure, we have a podcast every week, so we might have, you know, similar answers, but, you know, we can go a lot of different ways with this, Simon. Yeah, we were talking pre-recording here, and there's so many ways this can go, and and when you even doing a podcast like this, or like if you write articles or, or you're just talking to your friends about this stuff, you can see how a, a voter for these awards could fall into groupthink pretty easily. Cause you're, it's like, well, I mostly understand the case for this person that everybody else is saying. So like, it feels right that this is the person because these awards, let's face it, they are narrative awards. So there are unwritten rules to, to picking these winners that kind of go into it, right? Like coach of the year has just become usually the new coach or the coach that has like a new quarterback and that's the guy you pick or MVP is usually just the quarterback on the best team. Offensive player has just become the the offensive weapon that it, you would make MVP if it wasn't basically required to be a court. So there's so many of these unwritten rules and, and so many narrative choices that people kind of go with. But then there's always that oddball vote that comes in. You're just like, what is that person talking about? And it's like, I kind of get why you would, you know, maybe not that exact one, but I can get why you would want to be the only person. Because if you if you can make the argument, it's hard to get it out of your head. So I'm sure we'll have a few of those. Uh, I'm really excited to get into it. So Ronan and I this week are going to do our MVP, our offensive player of the I'll just say year to name the awards, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive rookie, defensive rookie, coach of the year, and executive of the year. And these are true mid-season awards. So this is through nine weeks of the NFL season. Who is the winner of each of these awards? We're, We're not projecting out. We're not predicting what's going to happen. We're taking through the first nine weeks. Who is the winner of this award? And maybe at the end of each one or at the very end, we'll we'll kind of predict who uh we we think could make a push for this award at the end of the season. Um, if we're going off the beaten path in terms of the narrative, maybe we'll talk about like who the real narrative winner might be, stuff like that. But for the most part, our winners uh, as we go through the ballot is our choice for this point in the season through week nine. Ronan, is there anything else about just your process or any other disclaimers you want to get out there before we get started? You know, no disclaimers. Um other, you know what? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go through my disclaimers. Um, I'm probably going to be way off the mark in some people's eyes. Um, <laughs> but hey, you know what? Everybody takes, you know, the what they see on the screen every Sunday and then on the Thursdays and Mondays. 
everybody takes it differently. Uh, so, you know, I understand it if you have a differing opinion, but you know what? Halfway through the season, I think you can make a case for a lot of different guys, but these are just, you know, some guys that I'd like to shine some light on. Absolutely. All right. I love it. We're going to get started right now. We're going to start at the very top. We're not going to, we're not going to build up to anything. We're going to start with what everybody cares about. And Rona, I'm going to kick it to you first. Who is your MVP through week nine of the 2023 NFL season? Well, Simon, truthfully, the quarterback play this season, nobody stood out. Um, everybody has kind of similar stats, at least towards the top. Um, you know, and then there's like the guy like Sam Howell, who's somehow like in the top five and like passing yards. But it's also <laughs> because he's thrown the ball more than anybody else in the league. Right. So it, it, it checks out. Um, so I, I knew going into this that I probably wasn't going to be picking a quarterback. So who else in the league has been dominating that's not playing quarterback? Simon, there's this guy, Tyree Kill in Miami, receiver. Um, he's taken – yeah, he's 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 okay. First year in Miami – or not first year in Miami, second year in Miami. Um, sure. You know, Tua doesn't necessarily have, quote-unquote, the arm strength to get it down the field. That doesn't matter, Simon. He's going crazy with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I'm going to read you some stats here. He leads to Hill, leads the league in yards from scrimmage at 1,090. Uh, he leads the league in receiving touchdowns with eight. He also leads the league in yards per touch with 15.4 yards per carry. And that's kind of a crazy step to think about, Simon. Every time this guy touches the ball – it's a good chance, not only at a first down, but add five to that. And and the game of inches, uh, five yards, 15 yards, that, that that's a big deal. So he's helped Tua lead the league in receive or in passing. Uh Tua himself has, you know, maybe made a case for MVP, but Tyree Kill has taken the league by storm. Uh and it's you know, maybe not taken the league by storm because he's been doing this for a while, right? He's a speedster. Um, but he does he does everything else on top of that. Um, so Tyreek Hill, MVP, at least through now, um, especially at the beginning of the season, he was going absolutely insane. Uh, I don't I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me, but those first few weeks of the season, he was making a very good case for uh, I don't know, offensive player of the year MVP. Uh, so Tyreek Hill is my MVP uh, selection. Put it in the ballot. I have, I've chosen. I love it. Um, I went through the exact same process as you did. The first things I've written here under MVP, no one is having the Mahomes hurt season from last year right now. That Those are the two guys through, uh, at least through week nine, but really through week 12, 13, just before Jalen Hurts got hurt, that were leading the MVP race pretty much through the whole season. I, I think, I think Tyreek might have even had like a solid like four week stretch before we kind of let the quarterback separate themselves last year. But Mahomes and Hurts last season through nine weeks, uh, twenty nine hundred yards, sixty seven percent completion percentage, twenty five to seven TD to uh, interception ratio for Mahomes, twenty two hundred yards, sixty eight percent completion, fourteen to three for Hurts, plus three hundred fifty four on the ground, seven rushing touchdowns, and no one. No one's really come close to that so far. I mean, Tua is leading the league in both uh, passing yards and touchdowns at a uh, twenty six hundred and um, nineteen. So, I mean, he, he's he's 
I mean, he has better touchdown numbers on, on both of those. Um, oh, wait, no, that's not true. Uh, not better than Mahomes. He's not having the Mahomes season, but he's doing better than Hurts was. So he's right up there with the Mahomes season from last year through nine games at least. But it's so hard to separate Tua from Tyreek and Tua from McDaniels. And, yeah, all these when all these quarterbacks are in a glut up here at the top, you're just kind of like, who's doing something that hasn't been done before, right? Other than that, it takes a, it, it takes a, it's going to take a special, special season for us to go with a quarterback or go with a non quarterback again. So you mentioned Tyree Kill uh, and his stats. He's lean league and receiving specifically at 1,076, touchdowns with eight. He's just the third player in NFL history to start a season with 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, and 65 catches. Ronan, do you want to guess who the other two were? Oh God, um, I'm gonna you go. Should easily get one. Okay, is that like because he's a Ram? They're both Rams, actually. Oh wow. Okay. Oh well, shoot. But one's is obvious. It, uh... One's obvious. All right. So Cup. Yep. Twenty twenty one. And then I, I feel like you got to go back a little bit for the other Ram. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with it's between Holt and Bruce. Mm-hmm. And dang, that's a tough one. Don't overthink it. Go with your gut. I'm gonna go okay. Holt. It's Holt. It's Holt. Okay. Bruce, how about that? Bruce sneaks up on in a lot of these things that you because he was the wide receiver too. You would assume is Holt, Holt, but Bruce was like the ultimate wide receiver too. He was like Devonta Smith on uh, steroids. I shouldn't say on steroids. He was not on steroids, but um, but no, it was Tory Holt. So only two guys have done it, and it's been Cooper Cup in like maybe the greatest receiver his season at least in the last twenty years, and Tory Holt, uh, part of the greatest show on turf era Rams. Um, by the way, AJ Brown is just two touchdowns shy of also making that list this season. So we'll be talking about him later. Um, but yeah, Tyreek is literally doing something that we just haven't seen before. And he's doing it with Tua as his quarterback, who in Tua's defense, I've I've seen I think this is Tua's best season so far. I've seen much better throws and much better um kind of like command of the pocket and what's going on around him than than the last couple of seasons here. But it's definitely Tyreek that makes that offense go. And it's the top offense in the league. It's first in DVOA. I think it's like, uh, I think it's, I think it still leads the league in, in points and yards per game. Um, so it's absolutely a case for Tyreek Hill because if these quarterbacks kind of keep just uh, stealing votes from each other, really, right? Don't like, don't just look at it like, oh, all their stats are even. When you have your 50 voters, and all the quarterbacks are kind of split pretty evenly. And by the way, uh, a lot of these quarterbacks have very similar records, right? The Ravens are six and two. The Chiefs are seven and two. The Eagles are eight and one. The Dolphins are six and three. The, you know, if you want to dig into like the Lions and the Cowboys and all, the, like they're all about the same from a wins perspective. They're going to eat into each other's votes. You know, there might be five voters that feel it's Mahomes, five that feel it's Hurts, five that feel it's two. And then, you're left with the eight random people out there that are like non-quarterback anarchy. Let's do it. And they're voting for Tyree kill. And then all of a sudden you got Tyree kills. So I don't think this is crazy at all. This was where I thought I was heading for the majority of the couple of weeks since we decided we were going to do this episode. And then that little voice of the, the, you know, uh, uh, what group think started to creep in my head. I was just like, it's an it's a quarterback award. the The most valuable player in the league is a quarterback because the most valuable player to every team is a quarterback. So, I had to pick a quarterback, 
and here here's how I got there. But spiritually, I'm I'm with you on Tyreek Kill. So the MVP award, uh, like all the awards, is pretty narrative based at just as much as statistics, right? Um, narratively, just kind of floating around scuttlebutt right now. I haven't even looked at the odds. I might be worth looking into. Um, I didn't want to cloud my judgment here on any of this. It, it still feels like it's Hurts, Mahomes, and then after last week, add in Lamar. feels like those three are sitting at the top, right? I mean, uh, Josh Allen and the Bills have had their struggles, and importantly, struggles on primetime. That's not what you want when you're – because guess what? Primetime games matter, and, and big matchup games matter. Um, Joe Burrow, you know, for his first – what was it, five games of the season, obviously just wasn't there, even though he's – already quickly up there statistically with a lot of these guys he's going to be in that conversation by the end and by the way if they just like rattle off like six straight wins and it's like we see the difference in the health he it, it very well could just be joe burrow's year to win the award but he's not there right now um overall when you dig into it 11 quarterbacks have 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns this season there's kind of a tier break in there. Uh, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, Justin Herbert, and Dak are towards the bottom because they played one fewer game. Um, and then there's CJ Stroud, uh, Sam Howell, as you mentioned, and Kirk Cousins. Shout out Kirk Cousins. Uh, those guys won't even be considered for this award. And then there's Tua. So it's really Tua's in there statistically, but I think we all know that's not that's not the way to go. So it's Lamar, Mahomes, and Hurts for me that I kind of came down to in deciding. Um, so to rattle off the, the raw stats for these guys right now, uh, 2,300 yards for Hertz, 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions, uh, which is pretty, like, it's pretty tough for him. He doesn't throw a lot. He hasn't thrown a lot so far in his career. Um, for Mahomes, 2,400 yards, uh, almost 2,500, 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Lamar, just 1,900 yards, but he leads the league in completion percentage with 71.5%, just nine touchdowns and three interceptions plus 440 rushing yards and five touchdowns. Lamar doesn't have the raw stats, and it's because he has the Jalen Hurts effect from last year where the Ravens just keep blowing everybody out. Uh, and for Hurts, it was, you know, they, the Eagles had the game sewn up by the fourth quarter, so they coasted for the fourth quarter. The Ravens have won half their games by halftime, like before the second quarter was over. And so they're just like not doing a whole lot. Um, but he's got the two 30 plus point victories against good teams in Seattle and Detroit. That's a big deal. If he has some really good performances and the Ravens do in primetime in the back half of the season, that could be a lot. But for at this point in the year, midway through the season right now, just the raw stats aren't there in addition to this stuff. So I, I went back to the well. I'm choosing between Mahomes and Hurts, and, and I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts this time around. Um, the thing that ended up selling me was NFL Next Gen Stats has Jalen Hurts leading completion percentage over expectation by like 7%, like something pretty significant. Um, he – let's see. I, oh, I just had this. I went to all the receiving stuff. Uh, he has – yeah, he's leading uh, at 6.9%. So he's, uh, like I said, averaging – he has a completion percentage of 69% is expected based on uh, the throws that he's making, the windows that he's throwing into, the defenses that he's playing. Expected percentage is about 62%. So he has the best uh, completion percentage over expectation by a pretty wide margin. And for that reason, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. What did you think about all that? Just like your thought process too with the with kind of sussing out the quarterbacks, who's kind of really in that conversation right now versus, you know, who's maybe a step back. Well, Simon, 
after you mentioned the uh, the odds, I had to go check for myself. And uh, you're right on the money because Vegas, you're right. You're aligned right with Vegas. Um, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Patrick Mahomes are all at plus 350. Uh, there's a three-way tie for the favorites. So, yeah, right on the money, my guy. Uh, but as far as choosing Jalen Hurts, um, you know, th this Eagles team is on a roll this season, and he's a huge part of it. Um, they're lethal still in the pass and run game. And you have to look at the fact that they lost the Eagles as a whole lost both of their coordinators. Right. So there was a lot of adversity heading into the season. Um, you know, their OC heads to Indianapolis, right. For a head coaching gig. So, you know, there was a question about how will Jalen look this time around? Because, you know, last year was, Last year was amazing for Jalen, and it kind of it came out of nowhere to an extent. Um, you know, I think he had everybody knew that he had the ceiling to be really good in the league, but to take over the way that he did was truly I don't want to say shocking, but it, it was it was great. Um, so him being able to step out onto the field and do the same thing pretty much this season, um, it, it's hard to dispute that, especially with you know Mahomes. Sure, he doesn't have the weapons. So the fact that he's in this race, you know, with a guy against a guy who has, you know, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, a great run game and a fantastic offensive line. Though the the Chiefs do too. The Chiefs has a, have a good offensive line as well. Um, it, it was I I, I like the pick of Jalen Hurts. If I were ha to ha have to pick one quarterback so far through the season, I'd have to go with Hurts. So I think you're right on the money there. Yeah, the 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 call on the uh, on the first time play caller is also huge because you could feel that in the first four weeks for the Eagles, where just like not everything was like clicking at once. It was like, okay, the run game is really good this week. Okay, the short intermediate game is really good this week. Oh, Hertz is scrambling well this week. It just felt like nothing was gelling the way it did with Shane Steichen calling the plays last season. And remember, two years ago, Hertz's first year starting. It kind of felt that way too. Sirianni was the was the play caller. He handed that over to Steichen last year, and all of a sudden, everything was just operating on all cylinders. And then when Steichen's gone, you're like, "Man, was that all Steichen? Like what?" But they've they've pieced it together, and and I know there there are definitely pods out there, some on our very network that are still saying like. You know, it still doesn't feel like it's all the way there. Meanwhile, the Eagles are second in the league in points per game at 28. They're seventh in offensive DVOA, um, seventh through the air, fourth through the run. Like maybe it's not just quite as efficient as it was last year, but that's the case for every offense, right? I mean, the Chiefs are obviously not where they were last year. Um, the Bills aren't where they were last year. Scoring is down overall this season. Defenses are better this year. So I think we just by now now that it's been week nine and it feels this way for just about everybody we kind of have to just put that away in terms of it doesn't feel as good as last year because it's just not it's just probably not going to at this point um so at this point in the year yeah i think hurts with everything he's doing through the air on the ground uh, you know i didn't even mention the fact that the eagles have the best record in the league that is important um and and there's still a top 10 offense and by the way, he's part of the most lethal play in the NFL, it being the tush push, whether you like it or not. Um, he's a, he's got an automatic play whenever he wants. So, uh, yeah, I think I think I feel good with Jalen Hurts for that as of right now. But again, I mean, like you said, Tyree Kill is just like 
kind of just wanted to be Tyreek Hill. I want this to be the year, man. I want it to be the year. Do you think it'll ever happen again? Do you think we'll ever have a non-quarterback? Because the last one was what, eight, eight, Adrian Peterson in like 06? Yeah. yeah. Truthfully, uh, yeah, I think we'll see another one in our lifetime. Um, I don't. I almost said for sure. Uh, I don't know if I want to want to bank on that too much, but I, I think at a certain point, um, whether it's you know the voters kind of like feeling backed into the wall of like, okay, maybe we like maybe we need to pick some someone other than a quarterback. Um, but I, I think with how great you know athletes are continuing to be. Um, it, it seems like every generation just like I don't want to say every generation gets better, but I mean, man, it it truly does. Um, and you know, thirty years from now, hopefully, I'm still kicking it. Um, oh, we're still kicking it. Um, you, you know, it it's probably going to be uh, not completely different, but it's going to be different, and it's probably going to be even more fun to watch with even more competition. Uh, you know, maybe they'll open it up to like forty team league. You never know. Um, so <laughs> I don't have enough time to watch all that tape, Ronan. I don't have I don't have the time for that. We we need to hey, keep it. We're good here. You know what? They'll they'll change it Saturdays and Sundays or something. They'll adjust. Oh. They'll make the money somehow. They'll make the money somehow. Yeah, not worried about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have. I mean, you guys, uh, listeners, think that you know Lamar is like quarterback slash running back. You're gonna have quarterbacks that are like actually lining up as tailbacks like with a Taysom Hill type player taking snaps that play and then lining out at a receiver it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts you have Cooper Cup didn't win it two years ago and Derrick Henry didn't what was the year for Henry 20 2020 when he had his last big year um man it feels tough And, and this I was like I I'm also assuming kind of that one of these quarterbacks is gonna uh break out of this funk at some point this glut that we have whether Lamar and the Ravens just kind of continue on their track. And because, you know, I mean, uh, when I was looking through the history of the the awards, especially when I got to Tua, um, and you had that 2015-2016 range where it was Cam Newton and then Matt Ryan. And you and it was kind of that tier two quarterback. And you're like, man, are we going to have one of those seasons again? It does need to be kind of a perfect storm because in 2015 when Cam Newton won it, they went 15-1. So it was kind of like – Okay, he's top 10 in passing. He has the rushing element. They're 15 and 1. That was the case for Hertz last year before he got injured. Um, Matt Ryan, I really had to dig hard to come up with how the heck he won it that year. Um, going back and looking, they were the second best offense in the league um, behind Drew Brees and, and the Saints, but the Saints were only 7 and 9 that year. The Falcons went 11 and 5. They were like, they had like the fifth best record. The only team that was like severely outpaced them and wins in the regular season was the Patriots, but Brady's stats weren't all that great that year. But it was funny looking at those years and think, thinking back to Tua, you know, in this conversation of this year, the last time those tier two quarterbacks won MVP, how'd the season play out? Cam Newton lost the Super Bowl to Peyton Manning that year, and Matt Ryan lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady that year. So it's like, uh, the juggernauts, man, they they just kind of went out. That's that's how all that goes. Um, give me a prediction. How do you think this thing really shakes out when we get to the end of week week eighteen and and those final games have been played and and the final votes come in? Who who do you think is going to actually pull away in this thing? Gosh, that's tough. Um, truthfully, and I said it a couple of weeks ago to a couple of buddies. Um. <clears throat> Whenever it's a season like this where there's no clear winner, 
Uh, it, it almost feels like we're all just waiting for Patrick Mahomes to kind of go on his run. And then it's like, well, nobody really stood out, but Mahomes was Mahomes. So, you know, uh, I, I think this kind of feels like a Patrick Mahomes MVP type of season. Um, you, you look at his supporting cast aside from Travis Kelsey, and it's you throw another quarterback in there, and there there might be some trouble. I mean, Andy Reid is an absolute mastermind, so I don't think you know you you're too far off. But I mean, with what he's working with, it's it's very impressive. Um, which you know, it's not anything crazy to say that Patrick Mahomes has been impressive, right? Um, because that's all he's done since pretty much he stepped into the league, whether it was on during practice, uh, imitating the opposing or the uh, the next week's quarterback, or you know winning multiple Super Bowls. He's just gone out there and impressed. So I, I think if I were to have to pick somebody for the end of the season, I'd say Mahomes. I like it. I love that. I mean, I kind of almost just went with the tie goes to Mahomes when, when I came to all, all these stats and everything. Like when you don't have one statistical or, or team success, true clear cut advantage, just go with the guy that you actually know is the best player in the NFL and and kind of move on. That's that's where I'm at with Mahomes and the Chiefs when it comes to predictions for the most part. Um, I I cheated a little bit while you were talking, but you gave great great analysis there. And, and I what seals this a lot of times is those memorable games towards the end of the season, right? So I eliminated week 18, week 17. There's no Monday night football. The Sunday night game is pretty boring. Um, week 15, the Ravens play the Jaguars on Sunday night. Week 16, Monday night, Christmas night, the Ravens play the 49ers. Those That's could be big. huge Lamar Jackson games. Absolutely. Um, especially if like they're keeping trying to keep the Bengals off their tail for the AFC North. Everyone's going to have eyes on them. Maybe the Ravens are trying to push for you know uh, some some home field advantage maybe they're trying to push for the one seat like you just you there's a lot that could go into those two games um so I'll call my shot just because I've been singing Lamar's praises which actually hurts me significantly as everyone knows off the pod um but on the pod it's been working I, I sound smart so I'm gonna give Lamar the nod for my prediction for end of season the MVP winner I, I think those two games if they win those and he plays well and that kind of solidifies a big playoff spot for them, I think that's going to be a fresh in everyone's mind and and Lamar's going to be the pick. Anything else for you on MVP or are you ready to move on? Uh, you know what? I love the Lamar pick. Um, I think those last or those two big games towards the end of the season, I think you're exactly right. I think that can play a huge role in it. Um, and you know what? I'm going to look into my crystal ball. I'm going to say that Lamar has 700 all-purpose yards between the two games. Mark it down. Mark it down. I love it. Um, as long as he goes 0-2 to the Steelers this year, I'll, I'll <laughs> be – like that's the balance that I need in my life. Um, all right. Let's move on here. So offensive player of the year. Now, this is interesting for you. You may Tyreek kill your MVP. We've seen players – win MVP and offensive player of the year at the same in the same season. We've seen it less in the last couple of years, just because I think everyone's kind of firmly settled into okay, MVP is for quarterback, offensive player of the year is for non-quarterback. But you went non-quarterback. Did you double up for Tyreek or did you use this opportunity to give somebody else a trophy? What, what did you do here? Someone else is getting a trophy, Simon, and it's like not it. a quarterback. Um once again, 
nobody has truly stood out in the quarterback competition competition. So we're looking to the running backs. Um, and Simon, there's another guy who Mm -hmm. truthfully I had right up there in the MVP conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's tied for first in the NFL with touch in touchdowns, with 13, he's got nine rushing four receiving. He's got 944 yards from scrimmage, which is just second uh, behind Tyreek Hill. Uh, he leads the NFL in rushing yards with 652. And th- this dude is just, he's the engine for the San Francisco offense. Um, he is so integral in their success week to week. And man, it, what, is he still on that like? Every game he scored a touchdown run. Has he? Yep. Is that? Yep. Like, because because it was a bye week last week, and they did it. Yeah, they did it two weeks ago. Yep. Uh, you, anytime you step onto the field and you're basically a free six points, uh, you are a very valuable player to your team. And on a team that has a great cast offensively, he still stands out, and I think that's worth noting. You know, because you can kind of make the excuse for Brock Purdy. Oh well. You know, he's got all these weapons around him. Sure, McCaffrey, there are there's attention diverted elsewhere, right? Whenever McCaffrey's on the field, because they have to respect Kittle, they have to respect uh, Ayuk, and they have to respect Debo. But he's still so dang effective that you have to almost pay attention to CMC first, and then everyone else is kind of, you know, uh, prioritized second, third, and so on. So, Christian McCaffrey is my offensive player of the year. Um, I think he has a really good case for MVP. And that, that's the only, I would have brought him up whenever you asked me, who else, you know, maybe do you think? Mm-hmm. But I knew I was going to be talking about him in about 30 seconds. So Christian McCaffrey, CMC, my offensive player of the year. I love it. Yeah, he he's the third name that I had on here. Obviously, I went with Tyreek Hill because I didn't make him my MVP. And that was a good note by you to say, still not a quarterback because that would be interesting if if someone just kind of flipped those around for a season but if there's that glut at quarterback then that makes sense but I mean you talk about Tyreek Hill and how he's responsible for that offense Christian McCaffrey man I mean you take him out of San Francisco and, and we've seen it I mean we it was the offense they had all those years and it's like a a good top 10 offense because it's going to be efficient when they don't turn the ball over like Depot and George Kittle and they make a running back a useful running back every year you know I love that kind of idea but you add in a Christian McCaffrey and it takes you to a whole nother level I mean the guy is legitimately an all pro level running back and receiver and not just in the Alvin Kamara Austin Eckler catch out of the backfield like run real routes uh, go into the slot and and uh, work the the short areas of the field sit down in some soft zones go out on the outside and run run posts and 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 crossers and and do it well run like real routes i mean we talked about uh the titans game titan steelers game on stat sheet the other day and just tajay spears going out like wide open on a, a semi wheel route and sees the ball go over his head and turns around and tries to backpedal and catch and fall into the end zone it's just like that's what so many running backs do when you run routes meanwhile mccaffrey looks like a legitimate all pro receiver when he's out there. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a great pick. I'm he's won this award before, right? I'm sure a couple of those years, well, at least one of those Carolina the, years. Yeah, the the two thousand or the one thousand running, one thousand mm-hmm. receiving. I, I think mm-hmm. he won Opoy that year. Yeah. Or was that the Mike Thomas year as well, though? Oh man, 
Now you got me going. Let's see. You didn't get me going. I did this myself. I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll fit. Yeah, 20, 2019 he had to have, right? Michael Thomas was 2018, I think. Uh, I'm looking at Michael Thomas right now. Yeah, uh, no, 2019 was his or was Thomas's four, 149 reception season for 1700 yards. All right. So All right. Well, you been... can while you continue to look into that because uh, we have people yelling at us listening to this podcast. I'll let you <laughs> figure that out. Um, the other name I want to mention here, as I alluded to earlier, is AJ Brown for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Brown's having an incredible year. Also, already a thousand yards receiving. Uh, 67 total touches, six touchdowns. And you just got to think, man, that the way this Eagles team is starting to roll now, I mean, what what this could look like as the year goes along. We, we talk all the time about adding one of these legitimate receive one of these top five receivers to an offense and what it does to, to a team. Since A.J. Brown did for the Eagles what – McCaffrey did for the Niners, what uh, Stephon Diggs did for the Bills, what Tyreek did for the Dolphins. He came in and gave the offense a legitimate, just throw the ball in my direction, and I will turn this into a positive play and potentially an explosive play, and he does it in so many different ways. He's built like a linebacker, but he runs the short and intermediate routes with with savvy. He He gets deep. He wins jump balls. He separates on the outside. He does in every way, so he needs to be mentioned in this. But, yeah, I mean, if, if it wasn't for what Tyreek Hill is doing right now, we'd be like, oh, my God, A.J. Brown's having the best receiving season we've ever seen. And meanwhile, a guy, you know, just, uh, what, 15 hours down south is just doing it a little bit better right now. Um, what would you find on the award? Uh, well, first, I love the A.J. Brown uh, recognition because he, he's absolutely gone off this season. And, you know, what I know – I know Tennessee is just kicking themselves, but uh, no, McCaffrey has not won an offensive player of the year award. Uh, The closest he's come is that season, that 2019 season where he, uh, he had a thousand yards rushing and receiving. And uh, he came in third place in the offensive player of the year voting. Uh, First was Michael Thomas. And second was Lamar Jackson who won MVP. So, you know, I think had, the voters not voted for Lamar. I think that might have been a little mm. bit spicier, but Michael Thomas won with a 38% share. So he, uh, he, he, I mean, Jackson had a 34% share. So you take away his votes and disperse them elsewhere. Uh, yeah. uh, it would have gotten a little bit more interesting, but man, McCaffrey, not, not ever winning an offensive player of the year yet. He's been one of the most effective when healthy offensive right. players, uh, really we've ever seen and that's the health is the thing too because with so many of these awards you kind of have the windows where it's like this is this is part of the narrative too it's like this is their time to win right so 2021 we have tj watt get defensive player of the year where it felt like he'd kind of been waiting his turn for a couple years and then nick bosa wins it last year and so we'll get to defensive player of the year next but there's a guy that it kind of just feels like it's this guy's turn to win it um same thing with offensive player of the year, right? McCaffrey was was drafted in, gosh, what was it, 2015, 2016? And that 2019, 2020 range after that breakout 2018 or, or whatever it was with the 1,000, 1,000, it, it felt like that window would have been his, oh, this is his year to win it. And he's hurt for two years. And then it's like, well, we kind of have this backlog of like your Justin Jeffersons and your 
um, Michael Thomas's and, and, you know, your Derrick Henry's and who Cooper cups and whoever that kind of have to win it again. It's kind of like, Oh man, now, now we just expect this from this guy right now. Now it's just kind of like, ho hum. Uh, same thing happened to a guy like Mike Tomlin for coach of the year. It's like he, he walked into a team that was already pre-built. So he didn't get that. Oh, new coach bump to win the award. And then when it kind of came time to be like to see what he was doing with a middling team, you're like, well, he's been doing this for 10 years. That's not that's not that interesting. So that that's very I mean, we just named three and like Tyreek, we thought he was going to win it for the first half of last season. And then Tua gets hurt. So his numbers kind of fall off. Justin Jefferson ends up winning it. I think he only came in fourth last year. I was just kind of looking at it. A.J. Brown has obviously never won it. So we're talking about three guys that have like never uh, other than one year, like heavily been in the mix to win this award. And we're like, man, all three of these guys could win it. So this this will be really interesting for offense. But even a better case to go with one of these guys as MVP and, and get, get another, you know, get two of these guys hardware. Even better case Absolutely. for that, I think. Um, and McCaffrey was drafted in 2017. Let me let me just get that get that right for everybody that's out there listening. Um, Ronan, anything else on offense between quarterbacks, receivers, running backs that the non rookie fashion that you want to get into here? I don't think so. I think we covered quite a bit of ground there. Um, all really good conversation though. Um, it, it's been a really weird year offensively for the NFL. So the fact that we were able to have, you know, these kind of conversations still um, says a lot, like I was kind of alluding to earlier, this generation of football is just absolutely nuts. Yeah. A a down offensive year. And we just rattled off like 11 legitimate names for an offensive uh, award (laughs) is, is pretty good. Um, All right, cool. Well, we're going to switch over to the defensive side of the ball right after some other box score network advertisements. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Parker. And I'm Robert Zenvire, and we are the Odds on Favorite, presented by Boxcore Network. Every week, we analyze NFL point spreads, over-unders, props, futures, and much more. Follow us on Twitter, at Odds on Favorite, and listen on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello everybody, Brandon Tim here, telling you all to listen to the Fantasy Football Franchise podcast giving you the insights to help you win your fantasy football leagues together we will look at everything fantasy football from the platforms we use to navigating weekly player projections listen to the fantasy football franchise a box score network podcast we'll see you at the next episode hey i'm connor i'm billy and i'm austin and we're the host of the Tricky Takes podcast presented by the Box Score Network. We talk about all things sports ranging from golf, baseball, football, NBA, and all college sports. Come give us a listen and make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Tricky Takes. And that's Tricky with two eyes. And we are back. It's time to get to the defense. How you really win football games around a defense and, and the run game and in the dirt and gritty offensive linemen. And it's, it's great. Uh, so we're going to talk yeah. about defense player of the year. <laughs> and uh, th- this is a very interesting race. I mean, this still feels so wide open weeks. I'd say one through four. It felt like miles Garrett was going to run away easy with it. And you know, the Browns were 
uh, swag surfing on on teams like pre-snap and the every player has their own celebration they get in trouble if they don't celebrate with jim schwartz jim schwartz comes in and this is part of it right the new defensive coordinator comes in they're completely overhauled and playing a new way and everyone's pumped up and yada yada and garrett's having a good season and and the, the group as a whole is finally having a good season and then the the newness and the excitement kind of wore off and we were, we were kind of eyeing Fred Warner over there in the corner, like, man, this guy's so he had uh, he had one of those primetime games where he had it. I forget who they were playing, but he had an interception and a forced fumble in one game. And we we're like, you know what, man, like best player on the best defense that the unit that's been the best defense for three years. Um, like maybe it's his time. And then they've kind of fallen off. And now we kind of look back to Miles Garrett and we're like, hang on, there's there's a lot of guys that have kind of caught up to Garrett statistically speaking. Um, six players have eight sacks, 10 quarterback hits and five tackles for loss so far this season. Those players are miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Max Crosby, Josh Allen, Kayvon Thibodeau and Trey Hendrickson. Um, the three that kind of ha- have separated themselves statistically are Garrett Watt and Crosby. Um, Garrett and Watt have the same stats, 18 quarterback hits, eight tackle for loss, Nine and a half sacks. Max Crosby, this is the guy that spiritually I wanted to give this award to, so I'm interested to see where you went with it. He has 13 quarterback hits, 13 tackle for loss, nine and a half sacks as well, and he does so much for this Raiders defense. He he blows the other dudes away from this list in terms of total tackles. He has like 56, I think, compared to like 30-something for everybody else on this list. He plays the run like a monster. He doesn't give up on any play. By ESPN's run-stop win rate ranking, he leads the edge rushers with 69 wins. The next closest is 44. Um, He doesn't come off the field. The edge rusher has become, uh, like we call it edge rusher now. This used to be defensive end or outside linebacker, and now it's become so specialized, it's edge rusher. It's a pass rusher. You you come in to run at the quarterback and see if you can bring him down. Max Crosby does that. But he also plays the run like crazy, and he never comes off the field because guess what? There's always somebody to tackle, and that's what he cares about. He He's played like 98-plus percent of the team's defensive snaps for the whole season uh, for the last like four years. The thing that took me off of this, though, is that the Raiders are 20th in the league in defense by DVOA. The Browns are first. The Browns are first in yards allowed and third in points allowed. Raiders are just average to below average in both. The last time a defensive player of the year came from a – average-ish defense was T.J. Watt in 2021. The Steelers, not quite as bad as the Raiders, but they were like, I think uh, I think they finished the year like 16th in DVOA, and then they were in the like top 12 to 14 in yards and, and points allowed that year. But T.J. Watt was literally half a sack away from the all-time season sack record in that season. So was, you kind of have those that little bit of a boost when you do something like that. Um so those are the guys that are spiritually all kind of around there. I want to get those other uh, three names into Josh Allen, Kayvon Thibodeau, Trey Hendrickson have good names, but they're not really on that same plane. So because of all that, because of the numbers, because of the team success so far this season, and because of the idea of it's this player's time, I'm giving this award to Miles Garrett. And Ronan, you just have to imagine how much this hurts me to have predicted Lamar Jackson for an end of the season MVP and given 
midseason defensive player of the year to Miles Garrett. Um, I'm in a lot of pain. I have Steelers stuff behind me. No one can ever accuse me. Well, maybe not never, but you, most of the time can't accuse me of being a homer. Uh, what do you think about this pick? What do you think about these other names around? How you think about this uh, this award? And who'd you pick? Well, Miles Garrett is a great selection for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he has just wreaked havoc on offensive lines basically throughout his entire career. But this year, he's definitely gotten uh, the recognition that he deserves. Uh, <laughs> all I can think is just him doing the crossover uh, over the center. Um, that, that's that, that's the crazy thing. Like you can line him up anywhere uh, on your defensive line, and he's not only going to generate pressure, but he's just going to make the offensive lineman. If he's on one on ones, he's going to make him look silly. Uh, so Miles Garrett is a great selection. The Browns have had a great defense. Um, I think Schwartz has really unlocked Garrett and uh, a lot of those those guys on that defense's potential. Uh, my selection. And you completely spoiled it, but all for great reasons, because this is the guy that you really want to give it to. So I completely respect it because I'm going to give it to him. Um, that's it. Max Crosby, man. Yeah, this because guy. You love this guy. You look at, I, I do. You look at, you know, sure, the, the Raiders are 20th in defense, but let's say Max Crosby is not on that team, right? We're looking at, I, I mean, 28, 29, 31, 32 i forgot about 30 but it's in there too like it, it is not a good defense whatsoever um it, you named the stats earlier i'm just going to brush over them again second in the in the nfl in sacks with nine and a half first in tackles or tied for first in tackles for loss with 13 uh 56 total tackles which for a defensive end is yeah. nutty that is yeah. crazy you mentioned how effective he is in the run game. Um, you don't see that anymore from a defensive end. So it, it, on top of the nine and a half, or second in the league in sacks, he's just a disruptor. He's kind of insane, but like he, he's a lunatic on the football field. Um, uh, I pray for every quarterback that has to face off against Max Crosby because he does not want to be their friend whatsoever. Whenever he's out there, it's it's not even business. It's war. Um, he, he takes it personally, and he wears his heart on his sleeve, and you love to see that type of energy brought to the defensive line. Um, you talk about a guy whose you know, year it might be. Of course, Garrett has had the better body of work, but you know if Crosby can keep this up, I don't know if he'd ever have a better shot at defensive player of the year. And you know we, we mentioned uh, you know, the 20th-ranked defense for the Raiders. For me, defensive player of the year is really defensive MVP, right? And I, I think too critically. Uh, I think I see MVP. I th I legitimately think who's the most valuable player. Mm -hmm. And you take Crosby away from that defense. And like I said, that's a bottom of the barrel team uh, defensively. So Max Crosby, shout out to you. You're absolutely going crazy this year um, and completely deserve the midseason defensive player of the year award. Yeah, I mean – it's it he's just he's just so good man he's and he's just so nutty and i mean you're right we before the season started over on statue and i think I, I probably did it a little bit on this pod we totally were like man the raiders are gonna be the worst defense in the nfl and you look at the depth chart and it just it, it's so it's so weird and it doesn't make sense and like roberts blaine was their big financial investment although that's you know prime time bobby is working out um 
uh, and it's just such a it's such a weird group. And I don't know who their official defensive coordinator was because Antonio Pierce was just the linebackers coach, I believe, before he got promoted to interim. But man, the, like that coaching staff must be doing something. But it all starts with Crosby and and that energy that he brings. There are very few players that aren't off-ball linebackers that chase down every play the way Crosby does. And, I mean, you watch all these other guys. You watch Garrett. You watch even T.J. Watt, who's a maniac. And when when the play is run to the other side, uh, most of the time they're just kind of like, well, it's it's going over there. And they just stop because, like, for good re- like good reason, they're exhausted. They're they're playing for the next snap. Crosby does not, does not do that. Um, I will say, I said this on – stat sheet this week i'm now all in on the raiders i was i felt like i was firmly the number one out on the raiders going into the season now that mcdaniels is out of there and then that first game happened and that antonio pierce press conference at like i'm all the way in if this defense gets like into let's just say like to the top half of the league which if they were already where they were at and when everybody was mad and didn't want to go to work that day imagine where they're going to be now like Crosby could still be in here. Um, some names we haven't mentioned that that I feel like we we should. Michael Parsons is obviously out there looming. Uh, he's further behind in the statistics than some of these other top names. I think he has like seven or seven and a half sacks. It's strange. There was so much of a narrative that he was going to be a full-time defensive end this season. And every game I watch, he's playing off the ball at some point. And it's just like, what? And, and you know, Leighton Van Der Esch got hurt, and that was probably just a big part of it. Um, but it feels like you know they're they're kind of having to move him around, so that might hurt his his stats a little bit. Plus, he's just so young. Um, a sneaky name I want to mention: Watch out for Roquan Smith. Uh, this Ravens defense has kind of become uh, the one-two, one-a, one-b with the Browns here over the last few weeks, and he's the reason why. You know, this is a defense that's definitely greater than the sum of its parts. Mike McDonald, if there was a coordinator of the year, he'd probably be the front runner for that right now. Um, and. Roquan Smith is the reason all that happens right there as the off-ball linebacker. He's made Patrick Queen better just by being there next to him. Um, This team doesn't have like a true like go-get-it blue-chip pass rusher, yet Jadavion Clowney and uh, Kyle Van Noy both have like like three or four sacks already this season, which is crazy for them, stuff that those guys haven't done in years. Um, Kyle Hamilton is the best defensive back that's been healthy for this team. Marlon Humphrey is working his way back. Uh, Roquan Smith makes this defense go, so just watch out for them. If if we see all these defensive ends kind of all – same thing, a quarterback, like kind of monopolize each other's votes a little bit, and meanwhile the Ravens are just the best defense and those primetime games that, that we mentioned for the Ravens, if Roquan has like a, an interception in the fourth quarter of one of those or like a sack fumble or something, watch out for Roquan Smith as well. Um, any other names that you want to mention or, or jump on either of those guys, Parsons or Smith? Um, no other extra names. You know, Watt obviously is always someone to keep an eye on. Um, these AFC yeah. North defenses are no freaking joke, dude. The Browns, obviously, we've talked about them to extensively. The Ravens, who you just mentioned, they're only going to get better once Humphrey hopefully comes back healthy. Um, the Bengals with Lou Anarumo, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's making a case for a head coaching gig last year. Mm-hmm. You know, next season he made that case last season as well, though. Yep. Um, and then obviously Pittsburgh with their defense. Um, God, just take the under if it's an AFC North matchup. It doesn't matter the number. Just take the under. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean, those three guys at the top that we mentioned, Garrett, Watt, and Crosby, all of those guys 
should be front runners and until the very end. And it only takes a, a little streak of, you know, what, five sacks in three games, let's say, for one of these guys to really jump in and join them, whether it's a Josh Allen, a Kayvon Thibodeau, Trey Hendricks, and probably not Thibodeau, but, you know, I mean, yeah, Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals, like just a name that every time you watch the game, it's like this guy should be mentioned with all. He doesn't wear gloves. He, he's just like, but he has the long sleeves. He's just so, he's just such a badass. Uh, it's, oh God. Bengals, AFC North, everyone's killing me. Um, all right. We gave the defense enough credit there. That was a lot of fun. That was a good conversation on the defense. Let's go back to the offense for what I think will be a pretty quick conversation. Uh, just another chance for you to have a little Maya Copa here with your your wrong analysis in the pre-draft process. Let's, <laughs> let's start with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Ronan, tell me who your pick is for Offensive Rookie of the Midway through the year. All right, just for some clarification, I never thought <laughs> CJ was going to be bad, okay? You know, he was still my QB2. He was still my QB2. I was just sold on Bryce Young. Disrespect. I Disrespect. know, I know. But you know what? Um, CJ Stroud has just looked absolutely phenomenal this year. He's got a 14 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, which as a rookie, you never see that ever. Um, he's just been precise with it. I, I believe he's got a completion percentage of 62. So it, it's not like he's, you know, deadly, deadly accurate, but a 62 completion percentage for a rookie is very good. Um, and then on top of that, he's not turning the ball over. That that's the biggest thing. A lot of the time for these rookie quarterbacks is giving the other team multiple multiple more opportunities uh, than they should have had. Right. So, um, he's just looked great this season. Uh, he's got two thousand two hundred seventy yards. I believe seventh in the league. Um, which sure it hasn't been an insane year, uh, passing yard wise for any quarterback in the NFL, but. Stroud is already top 10 um, and, you know, between the yards and the touchdown interception ratio and the fact that he's will, he's willing this Houston Texans team to a 500 record halfway through the year was something that not a lot of people thought could happen. Um, He's taken everything by storm. It's been an absolute blast to watch him just carve up secondaries. Um, Well, I, I forget the, his historic day, last week um against Atlanta 70 yards yes yeah, yeah uh, just yeah absolutely going absolutely ballistic um CJ Stroud is the pretty clear I, I don't even know it's front runner I think you can go ahead and just hand it over now barring injury um but before I kick it to you I've got to give you know the Do it. the second option for offensive rookie of the year because I got to show some love to my guy Puka Nakua who is tied for fourth in the league in receptions with 64, um, fourth in the league in receiving yards with 827. He's only got two touchdowns, one of which, though, was a game winner against Indiana- Indianapolis in overtime. Um, he stepped up whenever Cup was down at the beginning of the season, and then whenever Cup came back, he remained consistent. So Puka Nakua, hopefully, uh, show some bias here, but hopefully – he can keep this up throughout his career because he's a star in the making, Simon. Did he he didn't miss any of the games yet, did he? Or he was but he was banged up for a couple of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe Puka's missed a game yet. No. Yeah, I just went back through. I was like, man, I could have sworn he missed one. Um no, Puka Puka's been incredible. And I think if it wasn't for the 
just explosion of Stroud, like the fact that he's getting, you know, he kind of hit that rookie wall with the Panthers game right before the bye week. Um, it, it was just a bad game overall for the Texans, but he's come out of the bye week just a flamethrower uh, and, and been incredible. I mean, yeah, the the take whatever rookie quarterback stat you want, and and it's it's Stroud's, you know, single game passing quickest to x number of touchdowns quickest to x number of yards like whatever you want he is on pace to pass for 4300 yards and throw 26 touchdowns no one the only other person that's ever done that was herbert in his rookie year um no one's even had 4000 yards and 25 touchdowns so i tried to make it i, I tried to lower it just for a round number and, and it was still just something that we've never seen before and i know some of those stats kind of like well guys don't pass the way that they did back then and it's just like yeah okay that's fine but like that doesn't mean it's not impressive um i also went back and looked rookie quarterbacks that have thrown less than five interceptions but started more than 15 games there's only been two and it's robert wow. griffin the third and dak prescott um obviously you know uh, fairly recently two guys that one in Dak, who's had a good career, obviously having a good career, one that had a good career until injuries really hit. Um, RG3 threw 20 touchdowns that year, Dak threw 23. So Stroud is on pace to beat both of those and are halfway through the season, has only thrown the one interception. Um, I mean, Stroud's incredible. Stroud, Stroud took the Georgia game last year, which was the film that everyone kind of held on to in terms of like, this is the ceiling, I swear. And he's just turned it into an entire NFL season, which, <laughs> which is, he took one college game and expounded upon it into nine NFL games uh, with a, a very young team, an offensive line that was severely beat up. I was really high on the Texans in the middle, like in the middle of the off season, once the draft and free agency was over, D'Amico Ryans was in the building. I was saying like seven wins at that point. But I came off of it by the time the season started because I was like, Titus Howard is hurt. This team is playing Kendrick Green. Um, this team is you know, you know picking guys up off the street to play. Uh, meanwhile, then Kendrick Green even got hurt and they had to go to his backup, and, and it just didn't matter. You know, uh, even even with the bad offensive line, he was like, okay, Larry Tunsil's there on my left side. Uh, the run game not really working out this year. That's right. Nico Collins, boom, Tank Dell, boom. Like, I'm just, I'm the man. I I tweeted it, I think it was yesterday. I can't remember these days anymore. Um, Like, he's already top 10. He's already a top 10 quarterback. I don't know if you want to kind of run through that right now, if you feel any way about that, because there's not much to say about Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, But, like, Bijan Robinson, as fantasy owners know, like, he's just not having the season we had hoped for. And that's a, that's, there's a bad call by me. Um because I did have Stroud number one in the draft by a significant margin, but I also thought Bijan Robinson in this Falcons offense was going to be incredible, so that that hasn't worked out. Um, one take that I can't officially get wrong, if, if I had made this bet in Vegas, they would have given me my money back. Uh, I said if Anthony Richardson had a full healthy season, he would win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He, he did not have a full healthy season now he probably wasn't <laughs> probably wasn't gonna win it with the way this but i was not i, I was not wrong on that uh, let's just let's just keep that in check but yeah pukanuku is the only other guy to really mention but it you can't compete with what stroud's doing right now um anything else on stroud do you want to run through quarterback rankings right now it's a, it's I do. a whole it's a whole I other do. thing but I, I think we might have to i think we i do, do it. We, we can run through it quick um I'm, I'm gonna name specific but yeah we yeah, can just yeah go, go I'm, do I'm a just little name 
this or guys that. over him. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a little bit of a this or that. So go ahead and number these off for me. We got Mahomes, right? Yep. We've got Josh Allen. We've got Jalen Hurts. Yep. Um, we've got Justin Herbert. Yep. We've got Lamar. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, okay, okay. No, I yeah, thought yeah, I thought we were about I, to have a, a conversation yeah, no, no, there. No, 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 no. Honestly, <laughs> we could have the J we could have a Jalen conversation, but we'll we'll leave that to the side for now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now that all right. Um Joe Burrow. Yep. Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Okay. Now this is where it starts getting a little bit dicey. Tua. No, I got you. Okay. Tua. Okay. Come, okay. Come on. Come on. Um, and the, I mean, Dak Prescott. Yep. Yeah. He, he, that's, that's that range that you're in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking Dak over Tua too. Yeah. I've got Tua. Okay. Probably like 12 right now. Okay. Completely honest with you. Um, gosh, I hope Robertson virus listen to this. Shout out Robertson. I know you hate this. So, so here are the guys that I firmly have over Stroud. Like who, who would I legit? I always I always like to differentiate these conversations too, right? There's like what's the Madden rating? All right. If you were just gonna take that like purely black and white, and then there's the who would I want to start my fr- start a franchise with? Then there's who would I want in the context of like their contract, also the Ben Parker approach. Shout out Ben Parker. And then there's just like the it's a playoff game, it's pickup. I just take a quarterback, right? There, there's so many ways you could look at this, but just holistically. I have six guys that I'm like, I would just rather have I have these guys as my quarterback, contract and all, whatever. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Jackson, Herbert, Lawrence. Those six, they're just off to the side. CJ Stroud, I tentatively have there at seven. And then guys that I have in that next kind of group that he's competing with are Dak, uh, Jalen Hurts. I have Geno Smith ahead of Tua. That's just my kind of that's my kind of guy. Just like just rip, grip it and rip it, buddy. I still have Matt Stafford there if he's healthy, but I, I, you know, uh, when you take everything into account, obviously Stroud being a rookie, Stafford being in, you know, the twilight of his career here, but Stra- or Stafford can still sling that thing wherever. So, and by the way, yes, I have all those guys over too. Interesting, 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 interesting. But of those eleven names, to... not including Tua, like I, I would take Stroud over Stafford and Smith pretty easily which would put him at nine so even if you put him behind prescott and, and hurts seven eight that would put him at nine i, I like it i like it I, i'm not i'm not gonna argue too much against it um but yeah i mean you know I, i've been a two a defender for a minute now so i guess taking a lot I guess for, me to get just... him at, for me to put him here at 12 uh when when robertson Vire did his quarterback rankings way back in the day on phantomsportsindustries.com, I had to at like 27 or something like that. Oh, so it's wow. Been, it's now that was two years. That was before last year's explosion. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think even at that, I still probably put him at like 15, maybe. So I, 12, 12 feels as, as high as I can go. That's um, fair. All right. That was a nice little diversion just because CJ Stroud, yeah, is run away with this thing. And if you were going to just purely say like, who would you want right now for the next five years? Stroud's probably a little higher on that list too, because of the, the rookie contract aspect of it and just what his ceiling could be and all of that. So we love, we love CJ Stroud here. 
uh, on this podcast. Uh, anything else, any other offensive rookies you want to talk about, just either from a disappointing side or just like, hey, look out for this guy? Anything else on the rookies? You know what, from a disappointing side, um, Bijan Robinson hasn't necessarily gotten yeah. the amount of uh, carries or just touches in general that I think everybody expected him to get. So, you know, it just seems like in Atlanta, Arthur Smith just kind of drafts really fun offensive players and then is like, all right, now go do cardio. While, you know, you watch the backup running back and the second and third string tight ends get all the touches. So, I don't know, man. Bijan, free him, I guess. Uh, Arthur Smith's quote of the week is Bijan is doing some elite things away from the ball. <laughs> and that's... That's called cardio, coach. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you want from your seventh overall pick running back. Oh, God, burns me up. Let's move on to defensive rookie. Let's get back to the defensive side. This is also going to be pretty interesting. I think this is my this is my truly most off-the-wall selection. Defense is so hard to parse out from a, a statistic standpoint. We we went through this when we did our like top five defensive players at each position last year before the season started. And it's especially hard for rookies because it's like, okay, how are teams using them? What's their role? Like the different positions do such different things. You know, the the snap count is different than most, you know, it's not compared to defensive player of the year, which has become like who just gets the most sacks for the most part. It's still kind of undefined, right? Sometimes it's an edge rusher. Sometimes it's a linebacker that gets starts and gets a hundred tackles. Sometimes it's a corner. Um, What do you, what do you have for defensive rookie of the year? Uh, so th- this has been kind of a tough one for me personally, because no- nobody has stood out the way that CJ Stroud has. Right. Um, so I went with Jalen Carter here. Um, he-, yeah. he seemed to be the favorite heading into the season. And so far uh, through what, nine weeks, he's got four sacks, seven QB hits and two forced fumbles. Um, he's playing interior defensive line. Right. So it- it's nothing super, super flashy, but my reasoning behind selecting Jalen Carter, he's on a great, great, great defensive front, but he's still standing out. And that's so tough to do, not only as a rookie, but as as an interior defensive lineman, too. Um, yeah. Because, you know, th- those edge rushers there in Philly, they're no joke. So the fact that he's still able to get to the quarterback, able to stop the run, um he, he's been pretty impressive so far this season, which is what we expected, right? Because heading into, I don't know, maybe the off season, it seemed like he was a lock for a top three pick and, you know, falling to Philly, it, it just seemed like uh, the perfect place for Jalen Carter to, you know, get his head straight and just become the best football player that he can be. Yeah, that's a, uh, Carter's a great pick. He was the guy I went in, to this exercise with with being the name um he stands out both on tape and statistically uh only 18 rookies have played at least 45 percent of the team's defensive snaps and only three of them have four plus sacks and he's one of them the other two are edge rushers do you want to guess the other two i hit me with him i don't know if i can even guess him your boy byron young absolutely he actually leads the league in rookie rookie sacks the other i'll save because it's it's my pick um but it's not a it's not a common name, um, but Jalen Carter, I, I like he, he's probably the right pick um, for all those statistically stands out on tape stands out everything you said about he came in as a rookie and I like remember Jordan Davis last year he had he had all, so much hype coming in and 
I mean, he did his role great, and he's doing his role great now. But he's he's a plugger. He's a true. He's essentially a nose tackle in a four three front, um, who just like plays the run really well, and like sometimes gets after the quarterback. And and Jalen Carter, uh, you know, he he did everything that we expected, but Jalen Carter is just like pop, pop, pop. Uh, he's one of the rare guys that, like you said, could have been as a defensive tackle a top three pick. And when that happens, like that's, that's special. That that's, that's so different than what you normally see. So um, he's one of three guys that have shown up on the uh, analytics leaderboards on ESPN for pass rush and run stop win rate. He, he's in the top 10 in terms of defensive tackles. And actually I think he's number one among defensive tackles and pass rush win weight win rate um which is just in like insane when you think about we talk on stat sheet all the time about you know these elite defensive tackles and how much they mean and and he's doing that um and if he continues the pace he's on right now because he played fletcher cox went out in that cowboys game he played so carter played 70 percent of the snaps or 68 percent of the snaps um and did really really well if he kind of continues to, to pop in these big games and big moments. I, I think it's going to go to him. My pick, though, it's a little a little underutilized guy, or not underutilized, actually, uh, uh, not spoken enough about guy because he's behind two very high-profile veterans for the L.A. Chargers, and it's Tui Tui Pelotu, the edge rusher out of USC. He was the Chargers' second-round pick. Um, we really liked the pick because we, we had talked about Tui Pelotu some pre-draft, but both you and I, but especially our co-host Ben Parker, were just so mad that it was like a pure edge rusher for the Chargers. And, and uh, I think by size metrics, he's a little undersized too. When they just needed more of a run defense, and like that is true. I mean, they're still one of the worst run defense teams in the entire league. But Tui's doing his thing, man. I mentioned three three rookies uh, are in the only three have four plus sacks. He's one of them. Among the 18 rookies that have played at least 45% of snaps for their team this season, um, only three have shown up on the analytics leaderboards. Tui is one of them, actually on the run side. So he's playing the run well as a rotational edge rusher as a rookie, which is just something you don't really see. And he has four sacks, so he's doing it in the pat in 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 pass rush and in the run game. Um, and every time I feel like the Chargers have played so many primetime games, we have to talk about them on stat sheet so often. Uh, and every time I watch a game, like he's, I see him in the backfield. He's just doing something every play. Um, so that's my pick for this. Tui Tui Pelo Tui. I know he's not going to win it. I, I know by the end of the season, you know, maybe some of these stats wash out, but um, had to had to get his name in here because, like I said, every time I watch the Chargers, it's like this guy is like just maybe the best defensive player on the chargers this season and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch any any thoughts on Tui for you i i think that's a really fun pick um he's someone that we don't really talk about a whole lot just in media as a whole doesn't talk about him a whole lot so uh, i think that's a really good note four sacks on the season uh 20 solo tackles so he, like you said he's been involved in the run game and you know what if he keeps playing the way that he has his usage will probably go up. Um, he's behind, you know, an older edge rusher in Khalil Mack, right? He's not necessarily, I would assume, wanting to be on the field uh, all the time. So, you know what, Tupelo to making the most of, uh, you know, the snaps this season might translate to 
a nice little salary dump or something mm-hmm, in the future mm-hmm. for uh, mm-hmm. an expanded role. And he was playing more early on when I think Bosa was out with some injuries in the first couple of weeks, but he's already started to kind of creep back up. So yeah, maybe this is the thing that as the season goes, especially if the Chargers keep losing games, um, we could see more of them. The other guy we should shout out here, obviously, is Will Anderson, third overall pick. Um, he only has two sacks, so he's but he's crushing the analytics. I mean, just apps. He's on both lists uh, in the top ten. I think he's like the fourth edge right. Oh wait, I have it right here. Um, in terms of pass rush win rate among edge rushers, he is do 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 fifth which is crazy. He's up there with Brian Burns, Boy Mafe of all people, Miles Garrett, and Micah Parsons. Um, he's also in the top eight in run-stop win rate. He's actually first in that one. Um, or, yeah, first. Uh, he's And he's second in total wins. So take away, like, the percentages and the amount of snaps. He's second to Max Crosby. So he's ahead of guys like Miles Garrett and, and all the other names that, you know, we've talked about who aren't even on this list. So uh, Will Anderson is... is popping up on the analytics he's popping up on the tape he's doing well the texans are having a, a good defensive season um he obviously has the profile of being the third overall pick there will probably be some sack regression he'll probably get a couple more but even coming out he was never the guy that was even touted as despite being a top three pick as this guy's gonna get 15 plus sacks he he, he was never that guy that was never what he was about um but his, his name should absolutely be mentioned here uh, and then shout out to defensive backs. Only five guys have had gotten an interception this year. Just want to give their names. Deontay Banks, Brian Branch, Joey Porter Jr., Devon Witherspoon, and Christian Izine, who has two uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't know who that is. Um, but but those other four guys, uh, obviously names that you would expect to see. Your guy, Brian Branch, my guy, Joey Porter. Um, defensive rookies, man, they're, they're having fun. But yeah, I think Jalen Carter by you was probably probably the right pick. Yeah, I think Carter, um, you know, like you mentioned, right, Fletcher Cox, he's getting – he's up there in age. He's already gotten injured this season. Um, you know, there's a guy by the name of Jordan Davis, too, who is just an absolute mauler. Pretty so good. that 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 Philly defensive front is pretty much set for life. And they're just going to keep getting better. Though. Who's, the, who's the Georgia defensive lineman in the draft this year? Just go ahead and pencil them in. Um, all right. That is enough of the players. Uh, let's move on to coach of the year. And like I said, this is such a weird award because if it went to truly like the best coach, we'd see the best two to three names every single season. Uh, there's a number of factors that typically end up going into this. But even with that, I still had like five or six names written down. So I'm interested to see who you have. But who do you have for coach of the year, Ronan? Now you feel you know, the pressure if you don't have one yeah, of these like six names that I have on here. I do, I do, and uh, truthfully, I don't know if this guy will be on your list. Um, Can't wait. There's, there's a guy that I think you're going to go with, and I, I think that's who probably should win the award. Mm-hmm. But I, I've got to go with Robert Sala of the New York Jets. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So hear me out. Hear me out on my list. I I figured, I figured, I figured, but hear me out. Wow. This Jets defense, you know, despite losing, well, Rodgers going down has nothing to do with the defense, right? Other than, you know, the offense can stall out. A lot more than they were. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) maybe it does. Maybe it does. But this Jets defense has remained 
Very good, Simon. And they we we see these star quarterbacks match up against the Jets defense. And you've mentioned that a couple of times on the Stashy podcast. It's almost a guaranteed two interceptions from you know a star quarterback, which you rarely see from a guy like uh, who, who who were the Mahomes, victims? Hurts, Mahomes, Allen, yeah, all of them. Just murderous row. Yeah. And then you look offensively, and Rodgers goes down, right, week one. It, everything's everything's gone. All the hope is dead. Um, New York is in shambles. And yet, halfway through the season, they're 4-4. Four and four, And they're still kind of in the mix uh, for a potential you know, wild card spot. I, I know it's not the sexy pick, but, man, seeing Bob Sala go up to the – the podium for his press conferences and he just like like soulless because of how grueling this season is the dude needs an award or something okay he really does but the fact that he's been able to you know keep the ship afloat they haven't tanked right everybody you didn't see like garrett will well you kind of did but you didn't garrett wilson hasn't gone a wall yet um he, he's been able to keep it mostly intact and you know what? Aaron Rodgers might be hobbling or maybe sprinting uh, onto the field come week 16 or 17 and uh, will this Jets team to a playoff run. Hey, you're shaking your head, but that is premium podcast material, Simon. Premium. Yeah, good on you. This is probably <laughs> my 32nd ranked head coach right now. Uh, not <laughs> Not really. Listen, Robert Thaw is a very, very good coach. I love him as a coach. I loved his um oh, what was his line that oh, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping, right? Uh, just iconic <laughs> line from the whole season, probably. Uh well, well, Bob Sala, I'm I'm hating. Uh, so you must be popping because starting in at the end of week one, you get on the podium and you tell us Zach Wilson is a pretty good quarterback that Zach Wilson's your guy, that you're happy that Zach Wilson is there. You get up on the podium after week nine and say, actually, that wasn't Zach Wilson's worst game he's ever played. And just continue to tell us that this is going to work out and that this is fine and that this is what you want. Meanwhile, you put six points up on the Chargers, who, even though I touted a defensive rookie for them, is a bottom five defense on, on the season. Um, so much of coaching is stuff that happens behind the scenes, stuff that we don't see. And maybe to your point, like Garrett Wilson, not going AWOL, like the fact that this team is still even trying, like they're trying despite Zach Wilson being the quarterback means something and means something to what he's doing behind the scenes. But to me, a little bit of it also goes with like, I guess team management, which maybe isn't fair. Like we don't know. To the extent that, you know, every coach has different level of input and stuff like that. But we, we just saw the Vikings all trade a six-round pick for Josh Dobbs and get a seventh back for it. And, and you know, so they're, they're still out there. They're still trying to do stuff. You know, we teams are, are picking up quarterback. You know, the Giants just picked up Matt Barkley and, and made them the backup. Your team, we haven't talked about this yet. The Rams just went out and got Carson freaking Wentz, which I don't know if that's actually any better than Zach Wilson, but but still, they're doing stuff. To sit there for nine straight weeks 
and look at us dead in the face and look at your team dead in the face and say, Zach Wilson's our guy is bad coaching by me. It is bad coaching. So I, I, I respect the take. I agree with some parts of it. I think Salah is a good football coach. I can't give him the the coach of the mid midway year. He's I have like I said I have seven names written down and he's not one of them. Um, it's a borderline pity award. I'll I, I'm I'm the first to admit it's a borderline pity award. But it's just the fact that it's not all in shambles, right? Um, and you're about to name a completely more. Uh, I guess, relevant coach to this conversation. I, I think I know who it's going to be. And truthfully, it was the first name that I wrote down. And I was like, he's going to say it. And I want to have something different. So uh, yeah, truthfully, I should have told you to go first. Just so like, no, like oh, no, since you already said not him, at all. This is just no, so I offer great. it. Robert no, Sala. This um, is great. But it, it is a pity award to an extent uh, from me here. You know, sure. you know, what's a bad sign of NFL coaching new and different facial hair once the season has started. <laughs> so if you add facial hair or take facial hair away over the course of the season, you should automatically be removed from lists like this. So you've got uh, Brandon Staley four weeks into the season when things aren't going well for the Chargers, growing that that tough, super gray and brown beard, but then shaving it off like three weeks later. Like, hey, yeah, that man's going through it. Got Arthur Smith growing his terrible mustache in the offseason and then shaving it off a year after week eight or after week nine. That's not going well. When I turned on Monday Night Football and truthfully had not watched a, a Jets game in quite a bit of time, at least in a way that I would see cutscenes to the coach. Um, and he had a very nice beard, trimmed up nice. It looks great. He looks great with it, all that. But brother, you you grew a beard during the season. Mm-mm. Things things aren't going well, my man. Things are not going well. So it's getting colder. I I can respect that. I can respect that. Um, Here's my pick. And I I can't wait to hear if this is the guy that you think I'm going to say or not. But it is Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins. Is this this guy you thought I was going to go with? It was not. It was not. Now I completely regret my decision. (laughs) Maybe maybe my my long list has has the name you're thinking about. But here's the Mike McDaniel. I'll sandwich it and I'll give my, my real one. Right, my no, real one. I'm just going to cut that from the podcast. Oh, uh, no. Robert Sala is your pick. Known Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, and New York Jets apologists, Ronan Summers. Um, so here's the case for Mike McDaniel. So McDaniel probably would have gotten it last year if Tua didn't get hurt. And you know, I talked earlier about like how the windows work for like when you expect guys to get it. Mike McDaniel comes in as the new coach, turns Tua's career around probably just right from the beginning, um, turns this Dolphins offense and team around, and then Tua gets hurt. And the team finishes what nine and nine and seven, nine, seven and one, nine and eight, whatever they were, early round playoff exit. Um and once two had gotten hurt, like that was pretty much it. But not only are they he- better now because they're healthier further into the season, and we're seeing Tua continue his success that he had last year and look even better, but we're seeing even more stuff on top of what they were doing last year. So he's already added wrinkles to what they were doing last year. Um, Not only is he scheming up Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to get open downfield with the routes they're running and utilizing their speed, all the pre-snap motion stuff that he's doing with those guys, the different ways that they're getting open now, the different ways they're utilizing Tua in the pass game, um, the the way they're getting the run game involved this year versus last season, it's explosive now. The way that... 
they have a subpar offensive line and they still seem to manage to make all of this offense work. This is Mike McDaniel stuff. And, and I think the play calling and the sequencing during games is also fantastic. So he's doing it on, on that end basically as a coordinator as well. Um, and also, you know, a, a case I have here on my long list is John Harbaugh. And one of the cases that I've heard for him is that he's uh, changed his coordinators each of the last two years. Like he Wink Martindale out, Mike McDonald in last year, this year, uh, Greg Roman out and Todd Monken in. So it's like, oh, he gets credit for like changing his staff. Well, Mike McDaniel brought in Vic Fangio and we see <laughs> a much different defense so far this year. And this is the guy that like everyone's coveting um, the last three, four years as a defensive mind. And Jalen Ramsey's back, and this defense is going to be nasty by the end of the season. Um, so Mike McDaniel is my my pick here halfway through the year. What do you think of Mike McDaniel, and, and who would you think I was going to go with? And then we'll kind of spin that into our the, the rest of our names that we considered. Yeah, so I, I like the Mike McDaniel pick. He was definitely a guy that I considered and uh, at one point wrote down. But what deterred me from picking him was the fact that the Dolphins have yet to win one of those yeah. big games. Yeah. Um, kind of the Buffalo Bills effect. Their biggest win came against the Chargers in week one, and the Chargers themselves have had ups and downs. Um, you go down the list, sure, they beat the Broncos 70 to 20, but then they turned around and lost to the Bills 48 to 20. Um, and, and then they went on to beat the Giants and the Panthers, and then they get beat by the Eagles, right? So it's just inconsistency whenever they match up against these bigger teams. And they'll have a few more opportunities uh, throughout the season. Uh, there, towards the end of the season, they've last three games of the season. They have the Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. So that's mm-hmm. going to be a huge test for this Dolphins team. Um, I, I don't consider the Chiefs game. I, I won't hold that against them because it was an international game, and it's one of those things. Like, I, if you're a better, don't bet on uh, those international games because you just have no idea what's going to happen. Yep. Uh, so th- that's kind of what deterred me from selecting the Dolphins. But my, I guess, original thought for this selection was D'Amico Ryans, yeah, who has, yeah, who has led the Texans to a four and four record, and like, they look so much better than anyone. Not not anyone because you sat there and vouched for him. Uh, they're there for a while, um, but. They, they've shocked a lot of people. They've looked a lot better than we've uh, we expected them to. And offensively and defensively, they just look competent, which it's been a long while, a long while since we've seen competent football in Houston, Simon. Yeah, absolutely. Domingo Ryan's is on my list because because he meets all those criteria too, right? New coach comes in, completely yeah. turns the thing around. Yeah, the preseason narrative was like, oh, my God, the Texans just traded what could be the second overall pick to the Cardinals to to take a defensive player. Like, what are they doing? Um, this team's competitive. It's a it's a good defense, despite having no like true stars. It's a bunch of young guys that he's coaching up, um, brings Bobby Slowick over with him, makes this offense into a a, a viable NFL offense already. Um, and the Texans just feel like a, a well-run organization, that, and he has a lot to do with that. So, yeah, he's on my list. Two other names I considered, Mike Tomlin, uh, five and three Steelers have been outgained and outscored and out first down and out everything um, every single game this year, and yet they're five and three. A guy that hasn't won a coach of the year yet, and it's like, oh, man, if because, again, kind of a glut of like we, we only have the one – new coach that's successful so like these guys like 
Mike McDaniel, Dan Campbell, um, yeah, Doug Peterson missed his opportunity kind of last year, right? Uh, uh, all of these guys, maybe they didn't get their first year with this team bump. So, like, maybe they take a step back for a couple of years. Maybe this is the year that everyone's kind of like, Mike Tomlin should get one of these. And if the Steelers, let's say, make the playoffs with the league's worst offense, like, maybe it's finally the year, probably not. Um, Dan Campbell, like I said, um, similarly to Mike McDaniel, like, uh, this team – got even better from last year. They've built on what they did both offensively and defensively. This has become a, a good defense when it was a bottom third defense last season. So he was on my long list as well. I, teams to or coaches to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. I mentioned Harbaugh, Doug Peterson, the the Jaguars are starting to get their legs under them. So maybe this could be um, turn out to be a really, really good year for them. And, and you know, he gets that recognition and Kevin O'Connell, Man, if the Vikings, you know, talk about narrative, they start out what one and four. They go on a little streak. Kirk Cousins is playing amazing. Gets hurt. They trade for Josh Dobbs. He has the the game on Sunday that he had. And the Vikings, uh, never mind, like make the playoffs. Like just remain competitive all the way through the year. Win eight nine games. Uh, he's gonna be on ballots he's going to be one of the top three folk hitters um but we have to see what happens the rest of the way uh any other names that you considered we haven't mentioned um you know a, a guy like sean mcveigh would have been i think in the mix mm-hmm. had uh you know stafford maybe not gotten injured and a few things yep. would have gone differently i think he might have been in the mix um dan campbell which i, I don't think I, I i don't know if that necessarily fits for the lions just because you know, we went into this season with expectations for this Lions team, but them being able to maintain them and kind of kind of surpass them, really, uh, because they haven't fallen off yet. They're still, you know, at the top of the NFC North. So, you know, uh, other than, you know, Bob Sala, uh, that's all I got. Oh, Bob Sala, that's so great. Uh, all right, our final award. Ronan, uh, executive of the year, kind of a weird award usually just turns into like who made a good trade at some point, but, but who do you have here? Oh, wait, no, you, it was this one you wanted me to go first on. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have you go first on this one. So I want to see what, what yours is. And that might help me, uh, help me select my, cause I've got two names. I also have two names, but I came to, I came to the one I ended up picking like pretty easily when you think about, moves made and a lot of it has to do with what you said about D'Amico Ryans and I picked Nick Casario of the Houston Texans um you make what looks like a home run coaching hire in D'Amico Ryans you make what looks like the the home run quarterback draft selection at number two overall and then you take a big swing and you trade a future draft pick and I think they're one of their second rounders that year whatever they whatever they trade to go get Will Anderson and not only does your team look good, so it's like, oh, that draft pick is maybe going to be in the teens instead of top five. But, like, Will Anderson looks good, and the defense looks good, so you can't really separate those things. You could say a lot of the defense looking good is because Will Anderson is good. You just, like, completely turn the franchise. Uh, we'll focus on the football stuff of it, but in one offseason. I mean, this was the worst team in the league if you kind of composite the last, like, three years from a win standpoint. And... You go get your franchise coach, your franchise quarterback, and maybe your franchise edge rusher 
for the next 10 years. And he did that all in one off season. So I came to Casario pretty easily. It feels weird considering what his first years in Houston were like um, from a football decision-making standpoint, but I think he's done a really good job and they've found um, just like uh, a lot of value in a lot of like random guys, right? Nico Collins, Tank Dell, uh, Robert Woods. They've had good drafts. Um, they they have overcome injuries by adding good depth in a lot of places. They've added to this defense without like uh, big stars. You know, they, they go get high profile draft picks, but they're just building this thing the right way. And in one offseason, they get the quarterback and the coach. And and when you do that, you you kind of win that in my book. Was that one of the names you were considering? Yeah, it, it sure was. And I, I think, you know, had I not forced you to uh, go first, that prob- that would have been the name that I would have said. So uh, I love it. Um, you know, getting your head coach and your quarterback all in one offseason is truly a dream come true. Yeah. Um, that, that does not happen very often. So kudos to houston man because Mm -hmm. they they needed this the other name that i had that i had on my list um kind of for different reasons than casario i had john lynch uh perfect perfect uh the the mid-season moves that they've made getting randy gregory and uh uh, chase Chase young Young. Mm -hmm. yeah i I was saying i wrote down chase i was like is that his first or is that uh, i'm spiraling what's going on here with Chase Young. Wait, Jamar Chase was straight. The <laughs> yeah. But if you, oh God, don't, don't even, I don't even want to imagine that. They don't need any more weapons there in San Fran. They really don't. Uh, and they didn't defensively either whenever they made these moves, but they did them anyway. Uh, Nick yep. Bosa is Nick Bosa still. Uh, they, they've got a, an array of defensive uh, guys on that defensive front. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then on the flip side, offensively, Right, they lost Mike McGlinchey, but that offensive line still looks pretty darn yep. good. Uh, there, there hasn't been a hiccup really. Um, I, uh, I had it somewhere, but Purdy has not been sacked uh, much at all, right? And he's not necessarily the most mobile guy. Um, I think part of his play style is getting it out fairly quickly, so he doesn't have to, you know, I guess make reads, uh, which is you know feeds right into the the Purdy hate, but. Uh, all around, San Francisco has been one of the best ran organizations uh, over the past you know five ten years, and you know this off season, this season in general has been a, another indication of that. Yeah, he he's kind of uh, John Lynch is kind of the like what you normally see as the winner of this award because we don't norm like you said for Casario, you don't normally see the home run quarterback draft pick made the home run because even because going back to CJ Stroud, like rookie quarterbacks don't normally play like this as rookies. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a horrible first year. Uh, you you go back through, I mean, Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback in the two years ago and, and just back and back and back like rookie quarterbacks struggle. So it's not the same, like, Oh my God, you got the guy. Uh, so they got that. And on top of that, they did the same year as getting the head coach, which by the way, like looks incredible. So normally yeah, it is. It is something like this, John Lynch, where, you know, let's say Chase Young has five sacks in the last eight games of the season. Uh, let's say Randy Gregory gets like a fumble six in a primetime game. Um, let's say Javon Hargrave m- makes a Pro Bowl and it's like, well, uh, John Lynch made all those moves. So he is and they're a really good team. Um, so it's it's him. He wins it. And, and that is normally what you see. Um, but I think just this 
explosive year from the Texans and, and the moves that they've made. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, those, that's the right one too. I think um, as stands right now, Ronan, is there, we did a man. I mean, we hit our whole ballot. Is there anything else from this midway point of the season that you uh, wanted to hit on before we get out of here? I'm just super excited to see, you know, right. We talked about a number of guys at each award. I'm excited to see come into the season, you know, we'll, you know, let's take that top five, top three for each race. Is that going to, which race, if, you know, maybe all or none is going to look completely different, right? Because that defensive player of the year award, that can flip on a dime. All it takes is, you know, three or four guys to get on a hot streak, uh, you know, like, like a, I mean, Miles Garrett has been having a great season, but like a Nick Bosa or like a TJ Watt, they're just on, in a five-week stretch to get seven, eight sacks, um, you know, that, that could come up big towards the end of the season and for the voters eyes. So it's going to be fun to see how these races kind of change as we near the end of the season. Absolutely. Yes. Very well said. Ronan, thank you so much for being on, man. Once again, this is always a ton of fun. Thanks for making some time. Thank you. I cannot wait for, you know, our end of season awards, which, you know, I'm going to go ahead and book them, book me for, uh, and then, you know, maybe this time next year for midway season. Absolutely. A hundred percent. If you guys enjoyed this, uh, make sure you are listening to the Stat Sheet Podcast because Ron and I get to do this sort of stuff every single week. Um, We react to the primetime games, a game of the week if we find one that we like, um, as well as all the news and narrative items that are happening in the NFL. So make sure you listen to me and Ronan on that as well. Make sure you listen to all the podcasts on Box Score Network that you've heard the ads for. Uh, Ronan, this was fun as always. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been the Simon Short Podcast. Make sure you're following on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the pod, all that good stuff. But everyone have a great week. Have fun and be safe out there.